All right, we're kicking off episode 23, and we've got a special guest, Mr. Nagoya. We've been waiting for this one for quite a while. Councillor Ryan Bailey is with us. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm doing awesome, Your Worship. Thank you for having worship. me on today's podcast. <laughs> oh, my goodness, this worship thing. Um, so we, we, we always kick yeah, What off. is that, Your Worship? I don't know. I, Mr. Mayor? Uh, Mr. Copeland? Mayor Copeland? Yeah. Yep. Uh, um, yeah we how, many, how many years has it been for you as well? It's been a while. Well, you're wanting us to do math early. Well, we've got a teacher That's, here, so he, yeah, he's pretty good at math. So, I, oh, seven, I think. I, I'm only halfway through my first coffee. 16, so it might be years. 16 years. Yeah, it's getting up there. <laughs> but anyways, we're not talking about myself. So here, we've got, we want to learn about Mr. Bailey here. So, uh, Ryan, I mean, what's interesting about this council, we've had a lot of uh, new councillors uh, this go around. Uh, the community did uh, vote in uh, a lot of new uh, councillors. And so, let's get to know you right off. Where are you from originally? I was originally born... In Medicine Hat, Alberta, down south. Medicine Hat Tigers. Home of the Medicine Hat Tigers, yes. Uh, go Tigers. Uh, moved to Calgary uh, in grade nine, finished my high school there, then went back to Medicine Hat to start Medicine Hat College, University of Lethbridge to get my education degree and my acting degree. So I've been, I'm, I'm a Southern boy uh, by- so you went to Medicine Hat College, and yes. so uh, so you took. What, what would you take there? Is it was it like a step program into the university where you only had to do two years at university? That's right. Uh, we we had a pre education program. Um, I was taught by one of the greatest, Mr. Uh, Roy Wilson, who has oh, a wow. school named Shout after him. Shout out to Mr. Him. Wilson. Well, he's he's passed now, but he has a school named after him. Former school trustee wow. and an amazing gentleman. So I was very fortunate. Um, the other interesting thing about me, um, this is not the first time I've ever run for city council. I actually ran for city council when I was 18 in Medicine Hat, oh uh, running on things like uh, free transit Ooh. and those kind of things. Free transit. So, oh, yeah, wow. Uh, you're before oh, your time. Yeah. I know. <laughs> on the bleeding edge, told uh, by a few people that ran that I didn't understand supply and demand economics, but uh, mm. I do understand people needing well, did, uh, did you, uh, People that were saying that, now you can say, look what's going on in Cold Lake, right? That's right. So that's, yeah. And to be fair, uh, the Cold Lake gets a lot of shout outs on the Twitter and stuff about, I've had people um, use our free transit to tell other cities, hey, this can be done. So kudos to the city for that, because yeah. there are people who need uh, that transportation. Yeah, interesting about free transit. So once you build it into your budget, um, it's there, right? So it's a big deficit, and there's no doubt about it for the city. But but it's there now, right? So um, you know, it's a it's a big deficit, but it provides workers can get around the community if they don't have a vehicle. Uh, so it was built to have you know help. Uh, we had a lot of foreign workers coming to Coal Lake, and it was back in the day was about getting um, the ability where because Coal Lake is so spread out, um, it allowed people to live up in the north and the rental pool up there and be able to come down and, 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 and go to work. Well, that's why the businesses were so supportive of it, right? So when they're bringing in their temporary foreign workers at the time, they can yeah, live anywhere in the community. But if you look at Cold Lake South, the, you know, a lot of your businesses actually were buying or building some of those fourplexes or eightplexes in the downtown area. So that way they just have to walk to the, uh, walk to business, but uh, this allowed some other opportunities. I actually understand that a lot of the businesses have since sold their, um, a lot of their properties because there's that opportunity, a bigger pool of which, uh, of which the temporary foreign workers or the workers that are now here are able to live throughout the community. So that really opened up opportunities, right? Yeah. Like a member, we did uh, express pizza and he was telling us inside there one time we went there to eat that, uh, his shift workers are based on the bus schedule. Yeah. The time. That yeah was, that's right. That's quite that's a few right. years ago, but that was interesting. Yeah. I mean, and you know, it's about giving a helping hand. I mean, the business community paid a lot of tax and so, 
Uh, but, you know, you see the students. I mean, you're a teacher. I mean, you see a lot of students uh, from the high school definitely using that bus. Yeah, absolutely. In the morning when I'm driving uh, my, my son to work or to school and I'm going to work myself, uh, I see a lot of people uh, at the bus uh, the bus stop near uh, Circle K. Uh, so it's it's getting a lot of use, which is, which is important. It helps for kids to be able to, you know, work a job after school and get there uh, and, and get home and, and parents don't have to necessarily... Know, drive their kids everywhere they're able to go. Even my 12 year old daughter, she uh, she took a ride on the bus with her friends over the summer, and they went out to the to the mall and and hanging out. and And that's something you know, even as a kid in Medicine Hat, even though we were paying paying for the bus, um, you know, I could get out of my neighborhood, take the bus. You know, there's a transfer downtown, and then up to the mall. So it, it gives people a lot of freedom uh, to to travel uh, around their city. So in uh, in Medicine Hat, you ran it when you were eighteen years old, and then you uh, and I ran when I was twenty one as well. So uh, oh wow wow right it was on. a by election. And then you come in uh, Cold Lake. Uh, so what uh, inspired you to uh, run for council in Cold Lake? Uh, I've always had a, a keen interest in politics, and so you know you see things in your city and you want to make a difference. Um, the, the previous councils have all been amazing in the city, looking out for for citizens. And I thought, you know what, I can I can lend a different perspective, a different voice, uh, and you know, I wanted to see some things like uh, continuation of free transit. I'm always keen on helping uh, everybody, uh, and I think this council right now is doing a great job of looking out for the entire population. Uh, you know, I don't want to jump ahead too far into things, but you know, looking at things like the EMCC uh, transit, uh, all these other things that help everybody. Uh, and make our city a great place. And I just wanted to make sure that I had um, the ability to help people who maybe sometimes may seem voiceless and, uh, and they can send me uh, messages and I can try and look out for, for everybody in the city. A lot of people may not know, um, certainly um, us theater people do, but you're you're right into acting. acting. Yes, uh, I've done a lot of acting. I was part of the old Grand Parlor uh, that was in town. I, I think when I look back at the posters, I think I was in seven of 11 shows. Um, it, it's really um, nice to have the arts in a, in a city. Uh, and, and currently we don't have it in the city, but again, there's, there's regional partners who are looking at, at making a bigger pool to draw. And, and that's important. My, my goal uh, at election time again was to try at some point, you know, maybe not in this term, but you know, maybe next term, if I get reelected, uh, you know, or down the road, having an ability to have a some sort of arts and culture center um, in the city. Uh, again, a lot of people talk about, um, well, you know, you said you'd do this and you said you'd do that. And, you know, I have ideas. We all have ideas when we come to council, but people need to realize that council is a seven person council and no one person stirs the drink. Not like, and, and your worship, you're, you're always forthwith when you say the mayor doesn't necessarily run everything right it's it's a it's a seven person council majority vote uh and that's how things work that's democracy and and so it's it's nice um in order to get things passed sometimes everybody has to come to the table and we can't get everything on everybody's that's right there's got to be a bit of a consensus or uh you know a give and take and and i i think uh you know when i look at the whiteboard over there there'll be there'll be something from last night that you know there's people who wanted this and, and then I think we put a pause on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not, not saying, Hey, we're not going to do it, but you have to take all the information in and, and make it the decision that you feel is best for everybody. Yeah. yeah. No, I think uh, I've always said, 
a council, the previous council just leads, you know, for four years and then they hand it off to the next group that gets elected by the community. But we've been pretty lucky over the years that I can remember is it's been a really good transition each each council to the next one. Uh, some slight little changes, but uh, overall, you know, the idea is to make your community a better place and have a vision for the next 20, 30, 40 years. In regards to the uh, theater, though, council did budget in the last fiscal cycle, budget cycle, was kind of a, a, a review of uh, and some preliminary master planning development on a arts and culture center. Um, looks like uh, there is a... Uh, proposals that are coming in from various uh, sectors in order to provide that uh, that framework for the city of Cold Lake and that review. Uh, I, I don't know if it closes. I think it closes this month. I think uh, some people have reached out to uh, to the office to on uh, on seeking clarification on scope and stuff like that. So um, for the community, there is community uh, engagement component to that. So um, they will be hearing that coming up this uh, this early uh, uh, this spring summer as we roll that out, just similar to the pool development, mm-hmm. right? That we did some community engagement. So that's coming forward. So that's right on. Yeah. So let's really get into the meat of, of, I didn't know this about Ryan. I didn't know he was a Toronto Maple Leaf fan in such a huge way. So when did this start that you're, you're, you know, a, from Medicine Hat. Especially coming from yeah. Southern Alberta. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say that coming Medicine from Southern Hat. Alberta. Uh, I'm uh, trying to think in the old days who their NHL farm team would have been, but how did you become a Leaf fan? Well, I think for a lot of us, whether we're fans of a team today or of a team from yesteryear, like the Leafs, uh, a lot of it comes from uh, Saturday Night Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, you know, there was always two games. Uh, usually it was like the Leafs early at five and then the late game at eight was either the Canucks, the Flames or the Oilers on the eight o'clock game. Um, but my dad's a huge Leafs fan. So, um, you know, I, I was of the era of, uh, you know, Mike Palmatier was the goalie. Wow. Uh, so last week, when, last podcast, when you were saying number 22 and it was Tiger Williams, I was more of the Rick Vive era. Okay. Um, oh, Eddie, so, you're that young. Okay. I am. Good. And so, uh, <laughs> but so it was, you know, craft dinner on the stove Saturday nights. We're watching the Leafs on the small, you know, 18 inch. I don't even know if it was 18 craft inches. Craft dinner and wieners in there too? Wieners and always. Wieners in there. Wieners always. And ketchup. And ketchup. Yes. Um, so it's basically, you know, if that's all you know, uh, you're a Leafs fan. And, and you know, as as uh, Mayor Copeland, your worship knows, a lot of heartache for my dad, especially since he was alive in 67. And uh, the closest I've come was the 93 Leafs with uh, Doug Gilmore, Wendell Clark, uh, getting to the Stanley Cup. But maybe this year. Maybe. So have you ever gone to a, a Toronto and watched a game? I've never been to Toronto. I've watched two professional NHL games, both in Calgary. When I lived there, one was against the Buffalo Sabres. I won tickets on the radio. And the other game was uh, actually Wayne Gretzky and the Kings. Uh, my dad's company uh, gave him tickets to the box that night. So I got to see Wayne Gretzky play uh, uh, for the Kings. So that How was much year was a great goalie. I think he came in from the Marlies organization from junior. And then, and then I think he moved on to the Leafs, but uh, left-handed goalie, which Mm -hmm. in, you know, the NHL was back then was pretty rare. Right. And then, you know, the 93 Felix, uh, Felix Potvin and then Cujo. And so it was a lot of great memories for me and hopefully, you know, Matthews, Marner, Nylander and the, and the boys can get going here. Wow. So maybe Toronto Edmonton final. Could you imagine? I'd love to see. Toronto Edmonton final. Is that a prediction? No. No, oh. I'd love to see the clamps put on McDavid and Dreisaitl so, so they don't score much. I was going to have a quiz for you. So, um, oh boy, 
Oh, so, I fail. Yeah, but I didn't realize he was that young. But I'm going to try him to see. Uh, maybe his dad gave him some in- intel. So Borja Salming, mm-hmm. remember, great defenseman. Who was the other Swede that played for the Toronto Maple Leafs and that came over with Salming? He was, a, I think, a left-handed winger, war number 11. So just think about that. He had the great first name. Oh. Man, he was... Flames. No, go Flames. <laughs> Ingi, Ingi Hammerston or something oh, like that. Oh, Ingi Hammerston. Yeah, it was a left-handed uh, person that came over with Salming. And uh, he always, uh, when I was a kid, he, he always would be on the go train with us when we went down to Maple Leaf Gardens because a lot of the Leafs um, would be on the train and you would go down. He was one of them that was always taking the train about four o'clock or something in the afternoon. They would, they would, uh, all the Leafs would get on the go train out of Mississauga and, and come down Leafs. But I thought, you know, I'd just reach out for a real tough one for you. I know yes. uh, counselors were teasing you last night about uh, uh, what was the, Tim Horton's number? I think Tim Horton number seven. Apparently, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that's like you're gonna start asking me about George Armstrong and Johnny Bauer, and I'll be like, I have no clue. Yeah, but no, it's it's great. I mean, the NHL has uh, changed. I mean, uh, in a big way. But uh, some of the younger players, I have no idea who they are anymore. But, anyways, we got Mister Flames fan over here. So uh, Flames and Oilers. You know, we got uh, so a segue to the hockey is yep. we got a big, huge tournament coming into Coal Lake. And uh, it's interesting. We just had the big figure skating a group come in with a lot of uh, parents uh, with their with their uh, athletes and staying in all our hotels. And now we've got the Ronald McDonald Hockey Tournament over. I think you know, I think it's a three day event. Yeah, and again, it's it's a regional event, so it's. It's tra- tapping into Bonneville. And I noticed, like, I, I'm un- unavailable for it this weekend. I'm going to be out. Uh, but I noticed that uh, some of us were asked to do uh, announcing. And I want to make uh, note again, like I said last night, that Mayor Copeland was quick on the draw to take a lot of the um, the big arena ones. So if you're if you're out at Imperial Place uh, and you hear uh, that that familiar voice, that's Mayor Copeland calling, uh, you know, goals, penalties. So what do you have stuff. to do? Oh, you have to call goals and penalties, not names and stuff like just that. Have, you? Yeah. Well, I'm well, going to go to a names. course tonight to learn what I have to do, but I presume I'm just going to announce uh, who scores. And uh, well, I just, trying to do names is just brutal. Even my, do you ever have a hard time oh, with it's names? Ridiculous. I, 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 I butchered time? at the figure skating and I, oh, I there's, yeah, there's one judge, had a, one, one judge had a real tricky name and I apologize right on the mic about, because you could see his face and it was like, oh boy, I really wrecked it his name but uh no it's a lot of fun um figure you know, skating competition had a lot of kids coming through that was a western canada um event uh, there was a a lot of people in town yeah there were it was really good skating um you know it, it, and a lot of people it's interesting a lot of fans were there watching uh came in and you know both rinks were busy and uh, they did a great performance i mean it's very structured um mm-hmm. you know it, I mean, you're very organized, flights, right? And yeah, the had, flights, and then oh, uh, they come in and come out. They and can only pre-skate for five minutes or six minutes, yeah. and then you give them a one-minute warning. You have to announce that. Yeah, it was uh, there was a script, and uh, I don't think I screwed up too bad. But uh, you know, the Ron McDonald thing. They, you know, I'm pretty excited about uh, doing doing hockey, and uh, but I think it's going to be limited. What I say, you know, of course, do a shout out to sponsors, but uh, I'm sure Aureen's going to keep me. You can, you, our can uh, you can do something like a podcast and talk about politics. I just don't know if a lot of the kids would want to listen to that, right? Hey, I'm, no. I'm going to encourage all the parents right. to spend money in Coal Lake, which I'm sure they're going to do. Well, and a lot of uh, time you spent uh, at Maple Leaf Gardens, maybe you'll emulate, emulate the uh, rink announcer from Maple Leaf Gardens. Who Very was cool. called 
I again, I don't know the Your name. Your dad would know this. Foster I, Hewitt. There, well, he did the radio, but who was the Bob Cole? You know, Leaf School or oh, Bob Cole? Yeah, I, I know Bob Cole. Oh, Harry the, Neal, the big announcer. You're right. He yeah. was fantastic. What a yeah. voice! I forget. I don't know I can't that name. Remember his name, but he was. Yeah, I used to sit just underneath Foster Hewitt up in the grays, up in the cheap seats. Six, who has the uh, six dollars seats back him. then? Six dollars seats. Can you imagine going in the grays for six bucks uh, to see Sittler? Yeah, and then Vive, Vive came in after Sittler, probably a, quite a I don't know if Sittler and Vive ever played together. I can't remember. I'm not sure. I don't recall what seeing these Sittler hockey play. brains in this room. I know wow. this is all looping back. This is just incredible. Hockey's yeah. great. I mean, well, so we showed it to the Coley guys. They're playing, uh, Chris reminded us last night in council, so they're starting the playoffs and against Killam, tough team, and uh, they, they play a couple games in Killam, and then Monday afternoon at uh, the Energy Center at uh, 4 o'clock, I think Chris said. Yeah, an afternoon game. And uh, again, a shout out. Uh, I said it last night too. Uh, shout out to uh, the Cold Lake Ice and uh, Mandy out there with the uh, the VIP night. It was just an amazing uh, night. Uh, Cold Lake Ice played against the uh, St. Paul Canadians, another really tough team. Uh, kept it close for a bit and then just finally, I think, ran out of gas and and St. Paul's just showed why they're so good in this, this Junior B League. Yeah, so St. Paul's number one team, isn't it? I think they were, yeah, either one or two. It's it's pretty tight at the top, and uh, you know, but Cold Lake, uh, you know, they they punched above, and they've also won some championships. So you can never count the ice out. Yeah, absolutely. But busy weekend. Yeah, you talked about Ronald McDonald House. Uh, you got the fishing tournament happening this weekend as well. The age friendly group putting that on. Yeah, age yeah. friendly four hundred uh, uh, anglers. I guess the, are the anglers called, called athletes, but anyways, they. Uh, they're, they're going to be out and about. Uh, it's sports, so. Yeah, and it, you know, it's a very, um, the, the prize money is, when you look at all of the tournaments in North America right now, the Cold Lake Tournament with Age Friendly on Angler's Atlas, it's way up there as one of the top money tournaments uh, in, in North America right now for the winner. So, you know, shout out to Age Friendly. I know they're, the, the amount of sponsorship they've got uh, out of the community here and elsewhere, uh, tackle shops around uh, Alberta. Uh, and in some of the Saskatchewan uh, uh, industries behind it too, so it's going to be a good tournament. Uh, interesting ice out there; it uh, has a lot of flood water, and uh, the it's ice warm is really crusty right now. Rain, yeah, and uh, so it'll be interesting travels. Uh, I'm sure there'll be people getting stuck out there, but uh, you know, really watch what you're doing out on the ice if anybody's listening. Uh, but you know, brings uh, you know, city's a big sponsor. I think we gave ten thousand dollars. I think towards the tournament, and uh, it's about. Uh, uh, economic development in, inside the city of Colic. And, yep. and you sit on the community grants. Uh, I do, yes. Group. I mean, you guys, uh, when you look at all the different proposals, uh, it's about economic development. That's right. It's it's always about you know economic development, being a tourist destination, not just for one season, but for four seasons. And and I think this uh, ice fishing tournament is a perfect example that shows that, you know, you can, you can play in Cold Lake in February, you know, December, January, uh, there's lots to do up here. It's, we're not just, a you know, come to the beach in the summer, come to the lake in the winter and catch those big Lakers. We'll see if there's a new record that gets pulled out. Um, like you were saying last night, your worship, uh, pretty tricky. Um, you have to measure and throw back and a lot of pictures get taken to show this is the fish. This is me putting it back. Uh, so, you know, that just shows that, you know, there's some stewardship there, uh, so that we can enjoy the lake for, for years to come. Yeah, there's been big burbot being caught lately, and and big trout. Uh, I think, I think this is the best lake year that I've seen where the really big fish for both species are being caught. <clears throat> so I came out on a limb on uh, hungry. They're yeah, hungry. no, they're hungry. They're just growing good. Is uh, I, I see ninety four centimeters going to be the winner, which will be really cool. That's a big fish, but uh, you know, there's uh, looking at some of the people that are 
that are signed up for the tournament. We've got some uh, YouTubers out there, so it'll be interesting to see oh, yeah? what kind of yeah, oh, right interesting on. to see right what kind on. of video. And I recognize some of the names from afar coming up to fish this tournament, so uh, it'll be good. Um, what was really interesting is is that uh, you and I were at uh, shout out to Original Joe's yesterday. Um, of course, they were busy Valentine's Day, and uh, depending on when this uh, podcast gets uh, aired, but uh, um, they were packed and within there. Uh, I was in there in, uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, in an evening, and it was uh, standing room waiting to get seats and stuff like that. That's just incredible. Uh, talking with the uh, uh, the waitress that was there, she mentioned that January was just off the charts. They were just they were run off their feet. It's it's showing that all of these programs that we have and there's there's events going on that because that was I, I went there on the figure skating weekend. That's when it was. All of the traffic that we have in town and the impacts that it's having on businesses within our community is great. This is this is what it's about. Yeah, and I think uh, on Ryan on your you know that grant group that uh, you're seeing more and more tournaments requesting money, but if they write their document, uh, I think we'll probably have one with the Jaguars hockey club soon, but the, the provincial hockey program, but, you know, bringing in a hundred to 300 athletes that are going to be staying in hotels, big economic boom. Yeah. And uh, you talked about the, uh, the Jaguars hockey team. They were at the last uh, community grant uh, proposal meeting. And it's interesting. The Jaguars uh, didn't, didn't seek out the host. They were sought out this time because people um, are so impressed with that organization. Uh, they're impressed with the city facilities. Uh, everywhere you go, people are always shocked. They come to Cold Lake and they're like, I can't believe you have all these amenities. And, you know, those of us who have lived here, whether it's all our life or in my case, you know, 20 years, this is a hidden gem that I wish more people would come to and see. Even if you're coming, you know, just for a couple of weeks in the summer first, I've had people say that, you know, I came in the summer and then I heard about the fishing tournament that you have ice fishing. And so now we're going to make a trip up in, in February. So hopefully, uh, you know, those, those folks have, uh, come up for this tournament. Um, but I think once a lot of people come here, they're, they, they kind of fall in love with it. Maybe not so much where they all, all move here, but they'll often revisit, right? Like sometimes it's cool that we have events going on while these big events are coming, uh, being hosted like this weekend, we have the, uh, snow fever festival, right? So you have all of these people coming to town that are coming to fish tournament. And then there's also a festival in town. So it really captures that at this summer, I, I think, or this past uh, year lacrosse and there was the rib fest weekend, right? Yep. So really, and everybody just gets, wow, there's a lot of stuff happening with it. It was a busy community. summer last yeah. year. The, yeah. You know, talking about snow fever. I mean, there's events at Kinnisoo Ridge on uh, Saturday. And then, uh, and then the city at the, uh, at the football field and then a lot of, you know, ice sculptures and, and skating rink, I imagine over at the, at the football field and then Monday over on, on four wing. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, looks like the weather will semi-cooperate. You don't want it too warm, uh, but you also don't want it to be, you know, 35 below. So this, this is a nice weekend to get out those, those ice sculptures. I've, I've seen people do those. Uh, the talent they have and you know it's funny they bring in like chainsaws and it comes out it's like a swan or a you know whatever and it's like the amazing talent so uh, do take the time to check out some of those things uh, like like Mayor Copeland said uh, you know up at Kinnessy Ridge in town here so lots to do the hockey tournament like there's never a shortage of things to do in Cold Lake it seems. Once the snow fever's done uh the, uh, of course there's the turnaround because now we're going to go into spring, but, uh, there's a, uh, I, I think a women's or females, uh, uh, rugby provincials 
Really? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, shout out to teacher. I think Jared Nickel is uh, is putting that on and uh, is hosting that in at the uh, artificial turf field. So that's a big event coming in the spring. So you got to turn around and get that facility going. So that's another big event coming yeah. up. Yeah, Jared, uh, former Penguins rugby player. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, you know, always giving back to his community. Uh, great, great guy. Shout out. He also runs uh, Marigold. So if you're looking for, you know, crib boards and stuff to be constructed, uh, Jared's your guy. <laughs> oh, he, and he does, he does Mr. also, he does a lot of those, um, <laughs> those wooden metals, they're metals, but they're wooden. Lasers. Um, yeah. Lasers. Laser and he's got the, like the blue that, yeah. acrylic in there and he'll do, I know I've seen people get a, you know, a, a wall mount of cold lake and the, the, um, latitude longitude and all that. So good for him. Let's with regard to economic development, let's talk about last night. Council passed a, a, a letter of support for a new program, your worship. Yeah, so we, uh, you know, this one is long in the in the tooth, maybe. I mean, some of the, you know, businesses were hoping us uh, to jump on this early. I think we took our time to really understand it. But, uh, yeah, so we're going to kick into this uh, uh, rural immigration program. And, and really what it is is to try to speed up the process to try to get workers into our community to work uh, for a certain business and uh, and help. Uh, I mean, the process is just painful for how long it takes. And, a couple and- of years. And we know, like, uh, you know, just going and helping out and sp- saying a few words at the Filipino basketball uh, tournaments that I get invited to, um, so many people love coming to Canada, and uh, they really enjoy Cold Lake. And you're now seeing the Filipinos that have been here for quite a few years now purchasing houses, establishing the family. I mean, that grad ceremony uh, last year for Assumption, uh, tons of Filipino kids uh, coming up on stage. So um, I think this is a great program. and and uh, the city's going to be heavily involved with the chamber. Yeah, well, it's 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 kind of neat that uh, you know it's a pilot program that's put on the government of Alberta. It's it's called the uh, Alberta Advantage Immigration Program, uh, Urban Renewal Stream, and uh, this you know a council gave uh, some direction last year on its interest of the program. But of course, to work out the details, it has taken us about 12 months. But I do have to uh, take a shout out to uh, several of the local businesses have been calling into City Hall. When are we getting this program in? Um, We've had a few businesses that have been helping the City of Cold Lake with its guards application. So that was uh, tremendous support. The Chamber of Commerce, uh, Community Futures, uh, uh, Lisa Ford and uh, Sherry uh, Buckle there helping with the application and really driven by uh, internal resources here as well at City Hall trying to get that application together and uh council got to view that uh um application there last night uh, and over the weekend i think it's uh thorough um the government we're very optimistic the government of alberta should uh, approve the city code lake in regards to this and the intent here is to be able to you know shorten that window and that's the issue here um that the businesses have said uh, that it's going to be up to two years to get some of these foreign nationals to the community and to their business and and that is really unfortunate because uh, that's the temporary porn program that used to be the federal program that's gone away and it's really stifled some of the economic uh, growth opportunities um this should be able to once kind of fully implemented kind of narrow that window to more months now like that two or three months to be able to get that done and uh and it's very positive of course there's paperwork that is going to have to be done uh, for the businesses, for example, making sure that uh, what's important is when you're bringing some of these foreign nationals into your community to work, it's, it's about integration into community. So, you know, connection to uh, family resource networks, um, uh, 
being able to get the language, uh, you know, courses of whatever they need for support in that aspect, housing plans, because you don't want them to become a community and then they're just dropped and, you know, there's no place to stay and stuff like that. So making sure that all that paperwork by the employer is kind of there um, and the city of Cold Lake has its support mechanisms that have been in- included into the uh, application program, because it's essentially everything that we're already offering. It's just in a structure to be able to say, this is how we're going to do it for everybody that's coming into the community. So um, the Economic Development Advisory Committee is going to act as the uh, kind of just the review of the uh, applications, making sure that every, all the, uh, all the uh, I's are dotted, the T's are crossed, and then, uh, and then we can move from there. So I think it's really positive for the community. This is foundation work. And uh, let's get, hopefully the province can get us uh, an approval here right away. And uh, the businesses are going to be very happy with that. Rumor has it that uh, Mark Lee is um, over at Best Western is is only going to be looking for soccer players and tall basketball players. That's the rumor I'm hearing. But uh. <laughs> right on, right on. Uh, that being said, uh, you mentioned Mark Lee. He was very instrumental because he is one of the you know key people to try to bounce ideas off and on structuring the program and stuff like that. Well, Humpties so, was yeah. really in a you know yeah Humpties owners over there, at Humpties yeah. were like they're. You know, uh, just scrambling for for workers, and uh, it's shout been a out tough to Taco Time as well. Yeah. Uh, they're really uh, interested in the pole grab. They, they've got a lot of your businesses. Are, it was surprising the statistics on the numbers are only at you know seventy percent uh, capacity uh, in staffing levels. Look so, at when Wendy's came into town, and yeah, it, it you know they're doing drive through because they don't have enough uh, enough staffing levels. So you look at it, you go and some of the conversations was the initial intake numbers could be upwards of uh, you know three hundred. Uh, you know, employees that are needed and, and bringing them community. So in turn, when you're talking about 300 people coming to your community, look at that from a housing perspective, economic growth perspective. Um, and uh, just one employer in town said that uh, at full capacity, once uh, the, as the economy is turning around, them themselves need about 300 themselves. That's not any of the other employers. Yeah. And, and again, to go back, uh, you know, when you have 300 people coming in, uh, those 300 people, they're not coming in with cars. So that free transit will really help uh, those workers get to the to the job, and and uh, businesses are are not going to lose uh, hours of workers because well I couldn't get to work my car wouldn't start or whatever. So that's that's good for them. Uh, you also said you know there were a couple places where yeah the desperation there for for workers was was intense, and you know places I would go I'd be just asked you know you know I, don't you just write a letter and and then they come and I said no there's there's a bit more of a process and that's one interesting thing about being on council is you come in with your, your idea of, okay, well I can come in and do this or that, but there's, there's processes and there's things that you do or else, you know, you might not get, you know, you talk about the process to, to sign up for this program. It, it's long and intense. And, and I think that's also so that, you know, um, you don't make a mistake and, and you can have the people come in and, and, uh, yeah, you're, you're okay. And a shout out to a lot of the community groups that are out there, the not-for-profits that are going to help the program as well. Uh, you know, I think it's your Lakeland Literacy Group in terms of uh, language, any language barriers assistance. Um, you know, Lisa Ford, she's wonderful. She's going to uh, partner in the program to help facilitate the, um, the transition and the, and the program itself. So yeah, no, this is great. This is, this is good. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, it, it, more responsibility to the municipality. So it's... Uh Things are changing, that's for sure. Downloading, municipalities are involved in immigration. That being said, the actual immigration component has to be still done by, you know, the federal government government. and stuff like that. This just uh, is kind of a sponsorship type of program to help narrow that window. Yeah. 
So uh, we had a minister in town. Minister Nixon came in and and uh, and, and visited the FCSS. I'm sure he, he was impressed with his staff. Uh, you know, they do a great job over there. And uh, yeah, Deputy Mayor uh, uh, was able to receive him. Your Worship, uh, the, I know you're a busy man, so we well, did I went to, to a boat show in yeah, Calgary. Yeah, there was a lot of things happening, right? So uh, the uh, Deputy Mayor, uh, she was able to receive the uh, the minister. The minister was uh, very very. Uh, uh, surprised and excited about all the programming that's happening out of our FCSS. As you know, that uh, um, our FCSS is one of the the prime in the province, and it very stands out with regard to how many unique numbers um, that are within the facility. And uh, you know, it really stood out with the uh, the programming that uh, the city of Cold Lake is uh, putting on. Or I should say, not just city of Cold Lake, because some of the funding, because I, I have to recognize the MD of Bonneville, they contribute to the FCSS dollars. So I just I don't I want to make sure where the you know it's a sh- definitely a shared program, right? Of uh, of uh, of the organization, but uh, you know, he really took interest in the uh, you know the uh, counseling program for mental health that uh, we're trying to fill in some of the gaps that are there and uh, that funding is also supported by uh, industry those initiatives uh, so a shout out to Imperial Oil as they definitely uh, they're trying to help with some of the mental health uh, issues in the community um, especially it essentially started during the pandemic right and uh, the economic downturns and stuff like that so yeah, and being on the FCSS board myself uh, you know a shout out to Kim Schmitz and her crew like they they run a really, really great program over there. And I, I think the the minister and MLA Hansen were, were both very impressed with not only the building, uh, but the fact that, uh, you know, that, that FCSS is able to provide a lot of programming for all citizens in Cold Lake, uh, you know, from basically zero to, to adulthood. Um, and so that's, that's good. And I, I think the important thing for minister Nixon to, to realize is, uh, these things happen um, because uh, of, of hard work, but that doesn't mean, you know, we just talked about downloading. That doesn't mean, you know, the Alberta government should just kind of jump out and be like, well, Cold Lake ha- and, and the MD, they have this handled at the SASS. We're just going to drop out. We, we still require them to, to, to pony up and help the program to help people uh, in this province and in this area for sure. Yeah, I, just a minute, Kevin, I just shout out to, to Dave, uh, the MLA Hanson. You know, he organized that tour. And so, I mean, these ministers are on a, a tight schedule. And uh, so, you know, shout out to Dave for getting them in. And also, uh, Chris uh, uh, sort of gave a good uh, shout out last night about uh, the Lakeland Lodge uh, getting uh, funding for to take down the old building. And so that'll be a big demo project that'll be in Colic North. And uh, and again, uh, you know, Dave as an MLA has got to get in there and stick handle for trying to get some some funding up in his area for projects. So, uh, that'll really uh, open up that whole space there and and um, allow you know future expansion for uh, Lakeland Lodge and housing. Yeah. So what did you think? We we had the open house uh, last week. Um, we had a big turnout. Um, the staff did an amazing job with all of the different boards, and there's just so much information. But uh, we had a lot of interesting questions for an open house. Um, we were going into some areas that uh, you know definitely there was concerns about the. Um, um, the rainbow crosswalk, but, uh, yeah, the, um, the homelessness issue, uh, how where council had taken it. Uh, but then we got into some other, um, issues that, uh, you know, it almost, um, we almost need to have the federal government and the provincial government come and do community open houses because I, I sense that people are frustrated and, uh, you know, I thought we, we got some questions there 
that uh, were unrelated really to the city of Coal Lake and what our little soapbox, uh, what, what we can control. But we really got uh, some interesting questions out there. Yeah, it was. it's always nice um, to be able to be out at an open house and have people ask questions. Um, and and I, I understand, like you said, that people are frustrated and you know, who's the, who's the first person you can sort of go to and vent that frustration to is your municipal government. And so then sometimes the questions come up that just aren't in our, in our portfolio. They're just not a municipal thing that we can decide. And in some cases, uh, some of the questions were from, you know, landowners in the MD. And, and so you have to sort of steer them and say, you know what, I can appreciate your frustration. I understand what you're saying. However, I have no capacity to, to solve that issue. Well, it's interesting to see how many people from the MD of Bonneville uh, residents attended the city of Code And the public uh, uh, hearing that we had for the MCC. The MCC, a public hearing was, I think all but one or two was all MD of Bonneville residents too, had not yeah. city of Code And it, it speaks yeah. to the fact that really in the all, you know, in your general area, MD residents and the MD of Bonneville uh, council recognize this, that with giving a uh, you know, 19.9% or whatever it is towards the ICF funding, but we're really all together as one big community. And and so the MD of Bonneville residents lately have really got an interest in, in city of Cold Lake City of Cold Lake, uh, uh, politics and, and uh, programs and services. We even had uh, that even one it's resident. It's that interesting had a, yeah, about uh, question, voting. Yeah, you had a question uh, from the MD resident uh, being able to say that they would like to vote um, for the uh, mayor and council for the city of Cold Lake, right? Yeah, fascinating and, stuff. Yeah. Um, I, you know, and, and I, I don't know if I did a good job with that answer and, you know, just saying, well, you're only allowed, I think, Kevin, uh, to, to vote once Juris, in, jurisdiction, in, a, right? in a municipal yeah. election. You can't, if you have another house, say in Edmonton, yeah. whatever, you can't. In well, theory, on on a national level, right? That same conversation, that question about being able to uh, vote in your neighbor's jurisdiction so you can influence the outcome of the, uh, of the election, which is has its advantage and disadvantages perspective. You know, I equate it to as actually an interesting, you know, thought process. I didn't mention it there, but wouldn't it be interesting if, if Canada can, because we're highly influential with the United States being right border France, similar situation on a municipal level is the Canada vote for the, uh, the president of the United States and senators and, and, and congressmen and stuff like that. Right. Or, or vice versa. They right. Or yeah. United for, States vote in Canada. They, they, they wouldn't have right? quite the power because they don't, we don't vote for prime minister. We vote for. Yeah. Our, but is it, 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 I'm equating it, it from, be, you know, you know, there's the provincial level conversation should BC and Saskatchewan a vote in the in, in Alberta's provincial election. Well, and right? we're just a, we're just a quick boat ride towards England. Maybe we could vote in, in you know British elections or Russian elections because we're you know. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was just a thought process, right? It's fun. Kind of maybe didn't fully understand maybe the maybe the content or context of the conversation, but that was one of the questions: is being able to vote in the uh, uh, our, our neighbor being able to vote yeah. uh, in the well, uh, or even more locally, like yeah. uh, you know the. So, you know, if, if an MD resident was permitted to vote in a cold lake, then, you know, where do you draw the line? Where can cold lake people vote in the MD? So it's, you know, it's, it's interesting stuff, yeah, but it uh, just doesn't seem feedback, to right? be yeah. what's going to happen anytime soon. I think soon. this spring when the provincial election, it's going to be fascinating. So what I sense right now is there's a lot of people frustrated with government, period, and especially on, on, on the rights issue, you know. And so it'll be interesting to see, are people going to exercise their right to vote in this upcoming provincial election, because there is a, you know, around the Coal Lake Bonneville area, St. Paul, um, you know, the Take Back Alberta group, they had over 500 people on a Friday night uh, in Bonneville at a, at a meeting. 
and then the local UCP um, uh, meeting had over 300 people at a at an annual meeting, and I've, I've never seen that before. I mean, 12 is like massive, mm-hmm. and I, even on the federal side for our constituency, um, you know, I'm with David Yerdega, he used to only get for his annual meeting maybe a dozen people, and he, he always came down to Coal Lake and had them, and you would only get a dozen, but all of a sudden there's this uprising. So it's going to be fascinating this spring to see what, in our, in our constituency, is our total vote, did it go up? Because, you know, maybe more people are getting engaged uh, right now. Maybe that's what's happening. It'll be interesting um, this, this spring. You yeah. follow it very closely, Ryan. You you like to dabble in and, and follow politics. I, I do. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. You know, you know, a lot of times people have a perception of who you are as a, as a person. Um, but I can confidently say I have probably voted for every major party in at least one election or another. Like I've even voted one time, I think, for... Uh, green party once i think like just you know it's you know it's interesting you know i've i've voted for i've voted again being from medicine hat it's a pretty conservative area there was times where you know conservative vote uh, i would give because there were times when i agreed with that with the platform that was given i always vote on platforms and so i have to look at you know what what are you going to do and that's sort of um you know my thing as a as a municipal councillor, it's I don't come in as liberal or conservative or NDP or green or Christian Heritage Party. I always come into it thinking, what's the best for what's the best decision that we can make to help the most people? Um, so it, it's not a it's not a party thing. It's not a partisan thing. It's uh, you know what can we do? And, and the MCC is a is a great example of that. Uh, I don't want to keep harping back to that, but that's something where you know what it's not a partisan thing. It's What's best for cold Lakers? It's to try and get the forty percent that don't have a doctor the ability to have a doctor if they so choose. Right on. Well, last night in council we had an interesting one where uh, uh, that you know a few years ago it was identified to have a washroom downtown. Um, we we had issues where um, you know it was brought forward about you know having the ability to have an, a location in Cold Lake. So the staff identified a couple of places, uh, but last night we kind of said, you know what, uh, we, we kind of want to wait on this one and we're not prepared to uh, to put the money towards it and at that location. So re- really a pause and uh, we'll free up that money, but we're not saying no to it, but we're looking at maybe that where the, the old uh, Esso gas station used to be on the corner uh, on Main Street is maybe we, we know we want to do a park there someday uh, once we get the green light. You know, maybe that would be a suitable location for a washroom. Yeah, and I think that's important that people realize that uh, councils, um, whether they're, you know, the bathroom, you know, if it's not in your your council time, you can always look back, reflect, take um, take stock of what your, your community is saying. And, and for that, we listen to the business community and, uh, you know, we say, okay, there's some issues that are happening downtown. Um I think part of the issue was, you know, people are, are trying to go to the washroom and you're told, well, you got to buy this or that before you can use the washroom. But I think our businesses have really started to turn it around and they're going to, you know, try and help people that, you know, so they can use the washroom and, uh, yeah. And I, you know, thing also that's a big change is we've got the John Howard open now. And so, you know, for those that are homeless and don't really have a, a place to do their business, mm-hmm. uh, now the opportunity is to go stay at the John Howard and, and uh, you can get three meals there. You can have a, a roof over your head, get out of the elements. And we, and at the same time, we've, we've got this enforcement where we want the people that are, that are vagrant downtown to be moved along 
and uh, certainly on the back alleys uh, that we don't want to have any loitering in the back alley. So we're, you know, we're doing, trying to do a balanced approach. And I think that, you know, some people on council kind of thought, well, last night, if we, um, if we had that washroom where we wanted to do, are we enabling that activity now to, to be there? And so, you know, I, we heard from some business community that they don't necessarily want that washroom right now. So we took a pause last night. The numbers at John Howard Society's preliminary numbers have started to come in. Yeah. So we're getting, you know, roughly on average, I think it's five or six people a night. We've had some peaks, uh, uh, you know, up in the 12. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think the trend is five to seven or something. Yeah. And uh, I think right now in terms of overall contacts, uh, uh, I think there's around 25 individuals that are in, in contact with the John Howard Society in one way. And I note that some of them have, uh, you know, moved on to other communities and stuff like that. So that's not your total number that within the community because, you know, trying to transition them to where the support mechanisms are, are for them, um, which, you know, in, there are uh, many instances in other communities such as St. Paul, Edmonton and stuff like that. So some of them have moved on, but um, th- that number will continue to track and, uh, and council briefings uh, to, uh, to see where we are in those numbers. That's uh, that's, you know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, um, you know, that was one of the questions within the uh, public open house was, yeah. you know, you know how to consider this, uh, uh, what is successful, uh, where does the program go from here? And, you know, I think we just need to keep a close eye on it. The provincial government has given, a, 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 you know, some significant dollars to the John Howard Society to start the program and to see how the, how the, uh, the programming evolves and what are some of the background issues on these, uh, the individuals. We we had a call there from uh, you know a business owner with some property that you know has received some significant damage, um, and so you know Kevin, we talked about uh, with that gentleman about crime, and you know the we mentioned to him that there was uh, in the last week or so you said that the city staff or fire department have taken down uh, about five camps already. Yep, yep, yeah. The uh, in the community, you'll notice that some of the uh, we'll call it the vegetation, right? Uh, that is helping in terms of the shelter has been uh, has been completely removed, and uh, in order to kind of de incentivize or those types of uh, areas in the community, and those uh, shelters have been removed. Yeah, a handful already. Uh, there has been a couple of more that has been identified. Some of them are on private property, so the private property owners have been notified, and we'll see where those conversations will go. But uh, it's try to get the uh, you know it is uh, trying to take a balanced approach of. Uh, of enforcement over the, uh, the social aspect of this. Yes. Yeah. Um, I have nothing further to add on that. It's, it's, it's exactly like, you know, you have to have that balanced approach where, you know, the compassion is there to, you know, say, you know, homelessness isn't going to go away. Uh, we, so we got to do something to help. Um, and at the same time, we can't just have, uh, you know, illegal activity occurring, um, and so I, I think the city's doing a, a great thing by, you know, we, we've propped up the, the John Howard got it up. And, and like Kevin said, um, the money from the provincial government was going to go somewhere and we had to get a building up. We had to have some, you know, things had to be there before that money would come or else that money would go away. Go somewhere um, else. And yeah. so, you know, uh, you know, the uh, Alberta taxpayer is, is also, you know, which we all are in Cold Lake. But, you know, as a provincial government, that provincial money is coming to help as well. One thing that, uh, Your Worship, uh, we've been meeting with quite a few individuals, both, uh, you know, through the commercial sectors over the last week. Um, you know, my takeaway, a couple of common themes was interesting is, is that there seems to be a little bit unawareness of the, uh, the commercial uh, 
security program that the city of Quebec is funding through the Chamber of Commerce, uh, and the Chamber of Commerce kind of is uh, overwatching or is is a steward of the uh, contract with the uh, Coldic Watchdog that's helping the uh, commercial businesses. Uh, so uh, that. You know, I think uh, some improvements and definitely through this podcast, I think, uh, you know, the word has to go out that the, that that program is existing. So um, I would say out of all of the all of the meetings that we've had, there seems to be a, an unawareness that this program is uh, has been going for about the last year and uh, and has continued the funding renewal for 2023. Um, so some wording and, you know, I think some some you know, some word has to get out there uh, and, and maybe the city code lake has to do a little better job of getting that word out there. Um, and then the uh, second piece is of course, uh, but it's rather new is that the city of Cold Lake is moving towards council supported going 24 seven on its municipal enforcement to just get more bodies out there and, and awareness out there of, uh, and eyes on the road. Um, now that's going to take a little while to stand that up because we do need the staffing. And of course, everybody goes back to the, you know, how much staffing do you have and, uh, and stuff like that. So the city of Cold Lake is, uh, trying to fill some positions. And once it's at its critical mass to be able to uh, launch that program as well. Right on. So, so when are they, when we talk about, um, <coughs> council, previous council handing off to the next council, a really good one is, uh, environmental reserve. Um, so last night, uh, um, we were going to do, um, you know, you know, first reading, and then now we're going to do a hearing, a statutory hearing on all of the uh, non-statutory hearing on all of the different properties along the lake. That's a, uh, that's a sort of a legacy project, I guess you could say, but uh, long in the, long in the, it's been a few years on this file, and uh, that one will come in front of council. There'll be a, a, a public hearings uh, probably near, near the end of February or into March, but uh, that one's sort of an interesting project. Uh, and so the, ER, ER designation will allow uh, administration to work with each of the landowners along the lake to identify, so that so say they have a, a you know a boat lift or a patio stones that have encroached on the ER, ER um, the idea is to have a lease agreement with that property owner so that you know city and the landowner will sit together and say, yeah, we know that you have this and it be identified. And then the, the big thing is when a person comes around and sells their property, that they can actually have that lease agreement there for the, the buyer of their property. So everybody's aware of what's existing. And I think that's going to help when it comes down to the real estate along the lake. It's always been fuzzy where people have said, well, back in the day, uh, now it'll be identified and, and it'll be all up front. Yeah, I think uh, uh, just... Uh, terminology. I just want to oh, yeah, lease you, versus yeah, yeah, a uh, uh, license of uh, occupation or license to occupy uh, versus lease. Yeah, I just want to make sure that okay, the, Mr. that's okay. The policy, of course, council hasn't uh, approved the policy yet. That's probably and, and that's okay, right? Um, the next corporate priorities committee uh, council will be reviewing the. Uh, kind of the environmental reserve policy itself. So that way it gives administration uh, the authority to be able to enter into these license agreements. Um, so we'll be reviewing that. Uh, council has seen it once. Uh, they had some comments. So we'll come back to council again for, for a further look and, and, and comments. Uh, council passed the, of course, the residents remember, remember uh, the previous council when we were de-designating the municipal reserve. There were some fears in regards to we were going to have big developers come into town and take these lands and start developing it. No, that was never the intent. Uh, we went through a public consultation process and feedback of what, you know, 
what was the vision and, and feedback by the residents of what they wanted to see? And essentially, we're still just carrying that through. Unfortunately, it's just taking several years to get to where we are today. Um, and that is in a large part by the uh, provincial government because of the land titles process in order to take the MR designation because we can't start the next process until that is done by land titles to do the ER. So um, nothing has changed. Uh, that's I think that's what's important to the signaling to the residents. It's just the next step to change it to the ER. The ER gives the uh, municipality further um, uh, feedback or f- further I'll call it uh, opportunities for license on how it structures it, uh, those agreements and the environmental reserve policy. And then uh, once we do that, as uh, we've always signaled is the next uh, following through the steps on those license agreements and whatnot. So I think we're in a good place and it's subject to uh, uh, the statutory public hearing and, uh, and uh, or non-statutory public hearing council just wanted to make sure, I think signaled last night was uh, just to make sure that although it's been taking a long time, longer than duration, council just didn't want to make sure that there's no surprises to the residents and, uh, and we're carrying through as planned. And I think that's what the, the discussion was. Yeah. So Ryan, so you ran for election. Yes. And uh, who would have thought you would be, you know, we we talked about a lot of things tonight or today. Feels like it's tonight. Yeah, tonight. Who who would have thought you would be learning about ER, MR? I mean, there's so much when you run for council that you're just blown away. That city staff does a great job in training everybody. But you, you know, when you get elected, you have to cover everything. Yeah, it's, uh, I've heard, uh, and, and to use Kevin Nagoya, CAO Nagoya's uh, term, it's, I, I know Councillor Matthijs and Councillor Vining and everybody else who's been on here, it's like drinking from a fire hose. I know people are like, they say that every week, That, but it is. You come in and, you know, council is not just a Tuesday night YouTube meeting. Uh, council is a lot of reading Outside of those Tuesdays, uh, being on committees, uh, learning, yeah, what is an ER? What's an MR? And, and uh, you know, subdivision policies. Like when, when we came in, uh, CA Nagoya had given us huge binders that, you know, you read through. You're not getting through all of it, obviously, in, in one go, but, you know, you're learning about, you know, what's what subdivisions exist in Cold Lake? What's the infrastructure like, um, you know? parts of our infrastructure need to, you know, are on red alert type thing and, and need to be fixed. And, and I think that's one thing that the, the citizens need to know is it's not just the, the three hours on YouTube Tuesday. There's a lot of work being put on by counselor or being done by counselors, administration, um, the workers here at the city, everybody does a great job helping us because when we came in, I think it's four of us, four of us were new. Um, there, that's 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 quite a, a new council. You know, I was I was thankful that uh, you know Mayor Copeland, Councilor Vining, Councilor Lafave are there to sort of help steer us because you know, like you said, you've been on since 07, uh, 16 years. But that's important. It's important to have um, people who know the system because if you don't, uh, and everybody starts at zero, the city's not unable to move forward. So. Um, you know, there's some fresh perspectives, but it's always important to have uh, your veterans, right? Like just like the Leafs, you know, oh, we go, we have our rookies, oh. we have our rookies and our veterans, and uh, we're all working together to get that cup for Cold Lake. <laughs> Not that you said for Toronto, but uh, no, that's good. That's a great uh, great way to end this podcast. Uh, but uh, you know, I think uh, you know, I'm optimistic that before our term is done, you're going to be getting into the area structure plans because I really think that. Um, Cold Lake is going to boom. 
Uh, you know, it might take to 25, but that'll be, you know, the developers will be in front of council, I'm sure, eventually. And well, we'll I, uh, uh, you know, interesting you say that. I met with uh, some of our uh, local representatives and uh, absolutely right. They're, they're actually starting to already signal that there's a need for a couple of subdivisions in order to get the earth moving because it does take a, it does take over a year to stand up a subdivision from when you start a planning process, right? And that's not just because of city's red tape. This is physically a whole bunch of their statutory plan changes um, because that's set by the provincial government um, and uh, and downwards until you get those contracts to uh, move earth. So uh, there is actually a couple of signals uh, of uh, a couple of developers concerned on whether there's going to be enough lot inventory come. You know, we're talking, when we when we look, it's not that we're talking this summer, right? We have to look at about 36, 48 months out, right? And, uh, you know, it's that, 20, that 48, 36 months, is there going to be some concerns that we haven't started to move earth enough to get ready for that next, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, spurt growth that is there. Absolutely right. Hopefully there's no trees in the backyard of residents where they want to do a subdivision. Oh, yeah, yeah, that happens. And Ryan's in for a treat. (laughs) But, you know, I I think there's a lot of subdivisions in Coal Lake um, back in the day that they picked the middle of the quarter section to to put a road in there. And then, of course, you know, trees were on both sides and people got used to the forest behind them. They didn't realize the private land to be developed. Yeah. Yep. But it'll yep. be fun. I'm looking See, forward to it. If anybody's interested, all of the area structure plans are online of what the future growth is uh, for the areas around your home. And, and you know, uh, it is uh, definitely on the website for everybody to see and uh, definitely encourage people to uh, keep look around on the city's website. There's a lot of good information out there if you're looking for it. Yeah. Well, Ryan, it was a pleasure. I uh, hope you had fun here. I did. This was exciting. I, I hope to come back again. Oh, for sure. All right. We're ending number 23. Now, I'm trying to think now. Who was a good Toronto Maple Leaf wearing 23? I can't, I can't even think of a 23 on Toronto. Well, we'll leave that for the audience. I just think of Michael Jordan for the Chicago Bulls. Oh, there you go. Very good. Well, that's a good way to end it. Always. <laughs>